podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolan Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolan Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. And welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we are starting... Our brand new season, season seven. This is the first episode of the season. We are starting our summer preview. Decide I'm not going to do those little half seasons in the summer anymore. We're just going to go ahead and jump right in. Um, we're talking about Kansas football, and this is the beginning of our opponent preview series. Up first for us, we did not have one for Tennessee Tech because, let me tell you, it's hard to find somebody that is able to talk about that. So instead, we're going to jump right into week two. We are in week two right now of our previews over on Blue Wings Rising, and so today we are... Having coming back to the podcast for I don't remember how many times, but it's always great to have him back. Brandon Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids. Brandon, how you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. Feeling so wonderful. I'm so happy to be back with the Rock Talk Pod. You know I love it. So thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Yeah, not a problem. I really enjoy everything we've got going on with the network. I love having you on. It's great to talk to you about West Virginia. Um, let me tell you, I don't know where else I would go to actually talk about West Virginia, so it's always great to have you on. So, obviously, Brandon, big thing, like the big news in the offseason for West Virginia was the transfer of JT Daniels coming to the Mountaineers. Um, like, I, I feel like it would be a mistake to start anywhere else, so let's go ahead and start there. Um, how big of a jolt in the arm was that for West Virginia fans to see a guy like Daniels come in? For fans, it was amazing. JTD to the Mountaineers was a big deal. Getting to WV for JTD, huge, huge. The truth of the matter, though, is fans are excited, but Vegas is not. Even with JTD, five and a half is the over-under for wins this season. So it's an interesting conundrum that we have. I don't understand how you get a guy that talented and it doesn't move the needle. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I always kind of wondered about that because, like, I'm looking at what, like, Parker Fleming, uh, Stats of War on Twitter puts out. And, you know, he he did a, a, a poll. Uh, well, I, I guess he was showing about five wins is what his model is showing. Uh, but a poll, most West Virginia fans are expecting seven or more, like, seven or more wins from what I'm understanding, from, from the way that that poll went and from talking with a lot of West Virginia fans, that there's a lot of expectations around this team because of a guy like JT Daniels. How much of that is Daniels coming in? And then how much, like, worry should there be about some of the other pieces that might be explaining what's going on in Vegas? I think really it's not just JT Daniels. It's JT Daniels and Neil Brown relinquishing the reins to Graham Harrell. It's a combination of those two things. We think the offense should be better just by virtue of the fact that you have an offensive coordinator who's dedicated as an offensive coordinator. Then you put a guy like JT Daniels who's, who's head and shoulders over a guy like Jared Daigie. He's not even close in comparison. And you think, how could we be worse this year than we were last year? 
right? Like, that's the thought process for most West Virginia fans. How could we be worse this year than we were last year? And last year we won six games and went to a bowl game and didn't do so well, but at least we got there. So so to say five or five and a half, I saw some places four and a half, that's just, it, it, it seems crazy. It really does seem crazy. I think, though, if JT Daniels was a Pat White, Major Harris, uh, Cam Newton, the guy who can beat you with his legs, the expectations would be even greater. But he's not. He's a guy who relies on the pieces and parts, you know, beside him and, and around him. Uh, so that changes things to a large extent. Yeah, I mean, also kind of how much of that do you think is the thoughts about the rest of the Big 12? Because I think that's usually kind of the biggest issue, right? Like we talk about how how can the expectations for a team be less but almost always, if that's if that's how it ends up shaking out, it's because of movement of other teams that they're going to be playing, you know, week in and week out. It seems to me that overall the Big 12 has gotten stronger from last season. Obviously, there's, you know, issues with Oklahoma making changes. There's, you know, there's individual teams where you can say, like, maybe you, you would argue that Baylor can't be as good this year as they were last year. But how far do they come back down? Like, there's all kinds of other movement from the rest of the conference. How do you think... West Virginia stacks up with the rest of the conference in terms of getting better from last season? Well, I think West Virginia did a good job of getting significantly better, but Kansas State is going to be really good, I would I would imagine, with all they bring back. Baylor, I believe, and Dave Aranda. Kansas, I believe, will be better. I really do think they're going to be better than they were last year, and they beat Texas, which we all know and love and celebrate, right? I think that Oklahoma – is one of those where I'm not sure that they're going to be better than they were last year. Like a lot of people will point to the fact that uh, Tebow, as they like to call him, (laughs) that he was not as focused as he needed to be and that Brett Venables is more focused. I don't know if that's the case. I know that Lincoln Riley was a good coach. He did very well at Oklahoma while he was there. Brett Venables has a lot to live up to. I think a lot of it will have to do with if they stop calling him BV. BV is not a good nickname for Brett Venables, okay? Find something (laughs) else. And I'm not going to spell it out, but please understand, BV is not a good nickname. Texas. Sarkeesian, I thought was going to be better than he was last year. He wasn't. He brings in Quinn Ewers. He brings in a lot of talent around B. John Robinson and the rest of the team. I don't know that they're going to be better because you don't know what they bring. Quinn Ewers has not taken a snap at the at the Division One level, so we have to wait and see. It's it's interesting. I'm not really sure what to expect out of the Big Twelve, but that's a good question because it's not just about whether you got better; it's a matter of whether you got better compared to those around you. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think it also doesn't really help if you look at the schedule for West Virginia. You know, the game at Pitt. And then you have a game at Virginia Tech as well on the non-conference. And then you're playing a full Big 12 slate. So I know it's, it's not, it's never easy, right? Like I've looked at West Virginia's non-conference for the last few years and none of them have ever been like easy slates. You're, you're playing other power five teams quite often, but how, how much do you think is like who they're playing and where they're playing that's kind of leading into a lot of this as well? I think a lot of it has to do with. So Pitt at Pitt is not really at Pitt, if that makes any sense. Every time I've been to Heinz Field for a WVU Pitt game, which has been multiple Fair. times, we outnumber them. It's not. It's it's really not what it sounds like. Enter Sandman at Lane Stadium in Blacksburg, Virginia. That's a big deal. Fortunately, yeah. I don't think Virginia Tech's that good. 
So that helps. The rest of it, you're right. You know, we play at Texas. We play. We get Oklahoma at home, which helps. Oklahoma State, we have a trouble with no matter where we're playing them. So a lot of it does have to do with schedule. But I think more of more than anything, it has to do with uncertainty. You don't know what you're getting out of this squad. And yeah. there's nothing that's guaranteed. And I'm okay with it. I don't feel disrespected as a fan. And I, I, I hope, though, that those who are in that locker room, those who are on that coaching staff do feel disrespected because – there's plenty to go on if that's how you want to, if, if that's the route you want to take. Yeah, you know, it, it is kind of funny because you look around the rest of the Big 12 and there are quite a few teams that have a lot of uncertainty. I mean, TCU and Texas Tech with brand new coaches, um, you know, Oklahoma obviously with a brand new coach, even though Oklahoma, the baseline for Oklahoma is a, is a lot higher than I think than everyone else. You know, there's still a lot of questions there. There's a lot of questions about Texas. How much of a step are they going to take for West Virginia? A lot of questions there. Kansas, there's a lot of questions about how well they can take that next step forward under Lance Leipold. Leipold, his, you know, his pattern has typically been that season one is pretty good. Season two, they might take a little bit of a dip. And then after that, they, they, you know, take a jump up. So you could talk about Kansas one way or another as well, getting better or not getting better. Um, you know, just kind of looking at everything, there's a ton of uncertainty. So, so let's, let's take a look at what we do know about the team. Um, looking at, obviously JT Daniels is a big, a big difference at quarterback, but what else is there with this, with this, uh, offense specifically that you're expecting? Either holdovers from last season that you think are going to feature prominently or new guys that you're really looking forward to. So Tony Mathis was a backup last year to Letty Brown at running back, I think he's better than Letty Brown. I do. Letty Brown was a solid back. Tony Mathis has more upside. At In the receiving room, I believe that Bryce Ford, Wheaton, Sam James, Caden Prather is an upgrade to what we've had over the last three, uh, last three seasons. But the depth isn't there. So it's hard to know what we're going to be able to do. The offensive line, again, more seasoned than what they have been. You return pretty much all the starters, so that should be a strong suit for this offense. Um, But if I'm not sure of anything, it's the receivers on offense. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, and they haven't... Go go ahead. Well, they've had potential, but they haven't lived up to it. You have moments, you have moments, but you don't have a body of work to point to for any of them. Bryce Ford, Wheaton included. But you see flashes. Sam James, you see flashes. So we'll see what what happens from there. Defensively, we were in for a monster defensive line before Akeem Mesidor decided to transfer. The money was too much, so we headed to Miami. He said part of why he left was because he feared for his safety in Morgantown, so he goes to Miami. Yeah, yeah, that's... Let's let's be honest. (laughs) Does Morgantown have a Grand Theft Auto City named after it? No, it doesn't. No. But, but Miami does. So but <laughs> so he made his decision. Give whatever reason you want. Let's be honest about what it is. Akeem Mesler went and did what was best for his pockets. So good for him. But that hurts West Virginia on the defensive line. Dante Steele's projected by Phil Steele as a second-team All-American. I think he could be a first-team All-American if he really puts his mind to it, if he goes all out. I think they have lots of options on that defensive line that could be really good. We'll have to wait and see Taj Austin and the rest of them. We'll see what we have to be successful. Uh, the linebackers should be more athletic than they have been in the past. But the secondary is paper thin. We had some transfers that will help with that depth. Charles Woods is as good as they get in the Big 12. 
but the depth that's the consider that's a concern for me. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's jump back to the offense real quick because you did talk about the offensive line. My understanding though is that while all the starters are back, they're being reshuffled in terms of positions. They're moving guys around, trying to find something that works. The offensive line play last year wasn't really that great, from my understanding, and and this might be a like a, a limited way that I was viewing it, but it didn't it didn't jump out to me as fantastic offensive line play, and that at least somewhat contributed. Like how much of that was Jarrett Dagey holding on to the ball way too long, and how much of it was the offensive line not really protecting for him? Believe me, as a Kansas fan, I, I'm well aware that it's both of those at the same time. Um, but like. There, there's definitely some concern, especially hearing reports that they're shuffling up where people are starting and trying to utilize them better. Are you expecting there to be a big difference in the way that the offensive line is playing, whether it's a scheme difference or if you just think that they're going to utilize people in different positions because they're better suited there? I think it's going to be a matter of utilizing people in different positions because they're better suited there. And they're, it better be that way. Like, there better be a significant jump. Matt Moore has had these guys who are high-level recruits that have no excuse for not being significantly better this year than they were last year. I know they're shuffling with the tackles, but that, I mean, Wyatt Milam, Zach Frazier, Doug Nestor, that's your core. Those guys, those guys should be enough to add what you're at, you know, what you have. Jaquay Hubbard's going to be fighting for his spot. Other guys on that line, they should be significantly better. Like, no question about that. We'll see. Like, to me, this is a referendum on Matt Moore. There's arguments amongst the fan base about how good he is. There are people who will tell you they've seen him develop talent. Colton McKibbins being one of those guys with the 49ers now. I want to see it this year. If I don't see a big if I don't see a big bounce, a big difference, Matt Moore's got to go. That's how I feel about this. That's how confident I am in the talent that exists in the offensive line room. So we'll see. Shuffling or no shuffling, they should be significantly better. Yeah. So so you brought up that about the talent that's there. I mean. Is that the general feeling that you have for this team that it's across the board with the exception of like the secondary that you're talking about defensively that across the board, the talent is there where it needs to be and that coaching has been the issue or is it really just been that they haven't had the kind of talent that they needed the last few years? Offensive side, they have not had the talent overall. So they get Lynn J. Dixon from Clemson. They get Tony Mathis, who was a backup. Uh, they get Caden Prather, who did not play that much last year as a freshman. So, Talent has been an issue, but also coaching. That's why Neil Brown has given up being the offensive coordinator. At this level, there are very few coaches who can do the job of a coordinator and the head coach. Very few. And Neil Brown, it took him too long, in my opinion, to understand that. But he understood that, and he went out and got a guy like Graham Harrell. And if you're going to get a guy, Graham Harrell's your guy. Oh, yeah, for He's sure. He's a great gift. He's yeah. a great gift. Yeah, that was huge. And when they even announced – even if, even if, Go ahead. Well, even if it makes me feel old, and even if it makes me feel old, I, know. I remember Graham Harrell slinging the rock. I know. Like, it just <laughs> kills me to be on this side of it. But but that's what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Graham Harrell was a great get. I mean, you know, obviously being a former Texas Tech quarterback, he's familiar with the Big 12. I, you know, from what I understand, I haven't followed his coaching too much, but from what I understand, he has been very successful in what he's done. And you're right. That is the kind of guy that you get, someone who has both been in part of an, a successful offense, but also run a successful offense as well. Um, you know, again, Kansas fans know all too well we had a guy in David Beatty who his solution for coaching issues was, okay, I'm going to do that too. 
Um, I think at one point he was coaching half the team on his own, so that was uh, kind of ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, so I understand how that is. I understand how difficult it can be, especially when a coach thinks that they can handle it and that they're the best man for the job. So you're right. I, th- that sounded like a huge step to me when he brought in a new offensive coordinator to go ahead and take that over. So, all right, I do want to go ahead and shift over, focus on the defense a little bit more, and then talk about the schedule. But before we do that, I need to throw it to a quick break. We'll be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone Family. Join me, Jamie Steyer Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone Family Podcast. And we're back. I'm here with Brandon Phoenix, one half of the Raspberry Voice Kids. Join me talking about West Virginia, previewing them as part of our summer preview series of all the opponents for Kansas football. Uh, Brandon, let's jump on over to the defense. You did talk a little bit about the defense uh, before we went to break, but kind of taking a look, obviously the defensive line is looks like it's fantastic. Uh, there was a transfer out like you were talking about. But for the most part, like I don't really have any questions there. You did talk about the athleticism, though, of the linebackers. Um I'm not sure, like, linebackers was something that I thought was a strength for West Virginia last year, um, but maybe that yeah. was kind of me just, you know, not understanding the way that they do it. But, like, are are you expecting them to be better at that position this year, or is it really just going to be different? I think they'll be better. Josh Chandler Samito balled out of control last year. He really did a good job. But he does not He does not have the athleticism as the guys behind him. Lee Koba is one of those guys we're thinking about, transfer, who – Comes from Syracuse, but had us in the mix during his recruiting process. He's significantly more athletic than what Josh Chandler Samito was. Um, these guys this year should have more of an impact on what West Virginia does than what they did last year. We'll see. But they have to because if they don't, it's going to be a very long season. A very long season. So we'll, we'll wait and see. But Lee Koba is the guy to keep your eye on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what about in the secondary? Because you, you talked about how thin that defensive secondary is, but they had a lot of transfers in. Who, who are some of the new guys? Who are you expecting to really step up and be the leader in that defensive secondary for West Virginia? There are some freshmen. There are some freshmen that could turn some heads. There are some young guys that could turn some heads. But Charles Woods, Charles Woods, high-rated by Pro Football Focus College Edition, he should be the guy that should be the focal point as far as lockdown corners go. Focus on Charles Woods, number nine. Show that dude some love if you're going to show any kind of love. I know that this is just a preview, but I'm just telling you, Charles Woods, that's the guy to watch for. Yeah, I mean, and, and Kansas will be playing early, so I'm sure we'll get to see some some early flashes of what he does as he gets you know into the swing of things and, and kind of like if we're talking about Charles Woods at the end of the year, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some highlights early. We're going to see them nice and early there. But, um, you know, defensively, I don't, I don't know that in the past I would have thought defensive coaching has been an issue, right? Because the, you know, West Virginia's no. had some fairly good defenses, but with how thin that defensive secondary is, how confident are you in the coaching? Who, you know, who is coaching the cornerbacks and safeties? Um, and what kind of things do you think they might try to do to take or to, to take some of the pressure off of that secondary if they're having issues with depth? Well, big shout to Jordan Leslie, the defensive coordinator. That man knows what he's doing. He's been doing his thing 
it doesn't matter who's on the roster. He finds a way to have a successful defense. I think you're going to see multiple looks because of what we have on the roster from Jordan Leslie. And I think that's going to be the difference. It's going to be a lot of scheme. He, he coaches them up. He schemes it up. And they do well. Defense has not been the issue under Neil Brown. It's been the offense. So I'm not worried about the defense. Not saying they're going to be world beaters. I'm not telling you they're going to be the best in the Big 12. But I am telling you that they're not the weakness. If there's a problem, it'll be on offense. That makes sense to me. I mean, West Virginia for quite a while had been known for their defense. They've had a really good defense, had a lot of talent coming out of there. I, I think I have to agree, especially in a Big 12 that is getting better and better defensively. There's a lot more good defenses in the Big 12 than good offenses. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that that's, you know, probably the strength still for West Virginia. Um, even with all the changes offensively, like they had such a huge step they needed to take offensively that I think it would have been difficult for the offense, for you get, for you to be feeling better about the offense going into the year than the defense. So I'm not shocked by that at all. So let, let's go ahead and jump over. Actually, before we jump over the schedule, anything that's worth mentioning on special teams? Is there anything they're particularly good at or anything that they're particularly bad at? Nothing that jumps out to me. Um, no, nothing jumps up to me. We lose Winston Wright, Jet Life Wright, who was a who was a home run threat pretty much every time he touched the ball. He's gone. He's at Florida State now. But we have guys. We have guys that can take, you know, put themselves in position to be successful at, you know, on the return team. Um, but there's nothing that jumps out at me on the special teams. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure because I know that I, I forgot to ask about special teams, I think last year about when I was talking to Kansas State, and of course that's one of the things that they're really, really well known for. So I just wanted to make sure. Always. But um so so looking at the schedule, obviously the the beginning part of the schedule is a little bit interesting. You know, the Big Twelve has decided uh the last few years that they want to have a really early conference matchup to kind of do things similar to some of the other conferences. And of course that's Kansas and West Virginia in week two. But you know, surrounding that there is the game against Pitt that you're talking about at Heinz Field and then the game at uh Virginia Tech. Like of those First four games, obviously, there's also against Towson, you know, that's the your your typical uh, FCS-type game. You know, of those first four games, is there any one of them particularly that jumps out to you as, like, the most important game? If we don't win this game, then the entire season is lost. So, as far as the whole season being lost, no. Like, I, I, I don't believe in that. Because of the conference we play in. If we played in the ACC, then I'd feel differently with two of the first three opponents being ACC members. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But but come on, be honest what? with me. How bad is it going to be if West Virginia loses the pit in week one? That, that's it. That's it, man. I don't even – listen, I do not recognize pit as a proper noun. <laughs> they start with a lowercase p. There is no capitalization. Like, it is a big deal that we beat Pitt without Kenny Pickett – Without Jordan Addison in Heinz Field, which might as well be a neutral field, it is imperative that we beat Pitt because to me, it me it changes everything. It changes everything. We have the Black Diamond Trophy. That's a big deal again in the third game, going to Lane Stadium, Blacksburg. Here in the Enter Sandman, that's a big deal because whoever wins that game holds that Black Diamond Trophy for years. For years. And we just came off Virginia Tech holding it. Now West Virginia has held it for less than a year, but it's a big deal. Okay, so, okay. So so, so here's the question then, and I know I'm going to make this real tough. Would you, if you could guarantee that losing to Kansas would guarantee you wins against Pitt and Virginia Tech, would you take that? Rock, rock, Jayhawk. <laughs> okay, I, I kind of figured. Like, honestly, I think there's a good chance you could win 
you know, those first two anyway, Pitt and, and KU, and then take your chances against West, or against Virginia Tech. But you know what? Like it's it is it is interesting to to play a team that has those kind of rivalries outside of the conference, especially when we're talking about you know all of the changes in the Big Twelve, all of the new rivalries that we're going to try to create, and kind of the whole protected rivalry model for scheduling and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's it's interesting to be talking to someone who has a school that has so many rivalries that are outside of the conference, right? That it that it it's just difficult to kind of you know. I guess imagine that because Kansas' biggest rival in Missouri left and we haven't really played them since, even though Kansas is going to start playing them here soon. I, I, I have a hard time imagining that that rivalry is ever going to be as intense as it was when it was in the Big 12, um, which means that, like, I, I watch this West Virginia and Pitt buildup and I'm super, super interested. Like, I like to live vicariously through other fans who have those sort of hatred rivalries so that I don't have to be a part of it myself, but I can still enjoy all the, all the, all the fruits of those huge rivalries. So I'm definitely, definitely interested in how all of that's going to shake out. Looking though at the rest of the conference schedule, because now once you get to, you know, week five is at Texas, uh, to start October. And then it's just a, a ridiculous. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. You have the buy after the Texas game. And then you have Baylor at home at Texas Tech, TCU at home at Iowa State against Oklahoma and Kansas State and then end the season on the road at Oklahoma State. Obviously if 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 West Virginia is going to be getting, you know, to the to to bowl eligibility, bowl eligibility, getting six wins, they're going to have to get a good portion of those wins inside of the conference. Which games are the ones that you're really looking at as those ones that you think that West Virginia has no business losing? Uh, has no business losing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a very, that's a strong statement. Well, has because no I mean, like, losing. like we were talking about, right? You were talking about how West Virginia fans, you know, might or or I'm sorry, wh- how the team should take it as an affront, you know, to say that they're not going to be as good this year as they were last year on the on the scoreboard or or in the record. Which ones of those games are the ones then that they should be able to win to get the bowl eligibility? Because if you assume that you're going to be able to get three of the first four. That means you got to get three wins in that stretch. So are, are there games that you feel fairly comfortable saying that you think should be wins for West Virginia at this point? Obviously, a lot can change before we get there. But, like, which ones are the ones you have circled that will give West Virginia bowl eligibility? I'm going to tell you, like, I, like Jay and Fiend wants to say, like, they ser- they're serving Kool-Aid in Morgantown, but we're not drinking. Okay, okay. Like, we're not drinking it. So I, I don't know what gets us to bowl eligibility, but I'll tell you what we want. We want to beat Oklahoma before they leave this conference, sixteen to seven last year. I would love that. And, and then a coaching change. West Virginia wants to beat Oklahoma finally, and we feel like we can do it this year. Oklahoma State has owned us, including in two thousand eighteen when we had a shot at going to the Big Twelve championship game. We owe them. Uh, TCU coaching change weren't very good last year. Looks like we should be able to beat them as well. Um, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Iowa State should be down, but you never know because the scrapping with the fighting Matt Campbells. I can't give you any guarantees, but I can give you what we want. We want Oklahoma. We want Oklahoma State. We definitely want Texas. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree. I would love to see Texas and Oklahoma both take huge losses from a lot of different schools this year. Um, that would be absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I'm comfortable writing those in. You know, as as ones that we want to see happen as well. But um, you know, you do then have to get 
wins elsewhere to get to bowl eligibility. A couple of those that really kind of jump out to me as good possibilities. Again, we were talking about the uncertainty. You know, TCU at Texas Tech, don't really know how well they're going to be able to incorporate everything that's new for them there. Iowa State, like you said, you know, Deckers as the new quarterback, you don't know how well. Like, I know a lot of Iowa State fans who are really, um, I guess, excited about the possibilities of, of Hunter Deckers. But no one really knows how well he's going to be able to take over the entire offense. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of question marks for a lot of Big 12 teams, a lot of possibilities. You know what, though? Um, you know, West Virginia, there is one thing that, uh, that unfortunately for you, uh, West Virginia cannot beat a team like TCU in. And that is, I have seen the brand new line of shirts for TCU over at Sponsor here on the podcast, Home Field Apparel. They are fantastic. Homefield Apparel has the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, all kinds of great stuff over there. They have over 120 different schools. They are right in the middle of big new Saturday season four, which is already including a bunch of big schools. The TCU drop was absolutely fantastic. Look, I love my Jayhawk drop. I've looked at the West Virginia Mountaineer drop. I've seen a lot of other Big 12 schools. I have to agree with our, you know, uh, colleague Philip over on the 1012 network, uh, that, that podcast there saying that this very well may be the best Big 12 lineup at, you know, of all of them because that TCU, that, that, that grandpa lizard that's in the bathrobe, that is absolutely hilarious. I love this entire line. If you have not already looked at it, go over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 50% off your entire first order. You can pick up your Kansas gear, your West Virginia gear, anyone else from the Big 12. Um, on that TCU stuff, I guarantee you, there's at least three or four shirts on there that I want to get as well. I got to talk my wife into it. But again, homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHOCK12. Get you 15% off that entire first order and all orders over $100 get free shipping. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap up with this. If you had to, gun to your head, had to pick what the record is for West Virginia this year, how many wins do you think West Virginia is going to get? Give me seven. Wait a minute. I thought you said you weren't drinking the Kool-Aid. Seven is not drinking the Kool-Aid. There are people who expect us to be in the Big 12 championship game. Oh, okay, okay. So so you're drinking a little bit of the Kool-Aid, but not all of it. <laughs> not all of it. I mean, if the over-under is five and a half out of a lot of venues in Vegas, give me seven. I'm taking the over, but I'm not drinking the 10-win Big 12 championship Kool-Aid. I'm not drinking that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think people are adding and, a little and, bit and more than just Kool-Aid to that if they're really thinking that West Virginia is going to get 10 wins. Look, JT Daniels might make a big difference for this team, but there are a lot of other good teams that are a lot more solidified in what they're doing that it's going to be a tough ask for them to get to 10 wins this year. Um, like you said, like I, I think that seven's a possibility. I think if I were picking it i would probably say five or six just kind of depending on how different things break i'm also one of those people though that uh you know I, i'm on record over on the 10 12 podcast saying that i think that ku is uh has a really good shot at winning six this year and going to a bowl so including upsetting kansas state in the last week of the season so i wow, may not geez. i may not have the best judgment when it comes to predicting records although i will I will point out, I did call the Kansas upsetting Texas last year for over a year and a half before it actually happened. So, um, but yeah. I picked Golden State in six, so I get something, right? Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay, well, okay. So, so book it seven wins for West Virginia this year, except Kansas is going to beat them in week two, so you guys can get that win over Pitt <laughs> and over Virginia Tech. You know, so so we'll get started that way. Then you guys are going to upset Texas. You're going to upset Oklahoma. And, heck, we'll, we'll give you that one against Oklahoma State at the end of the season. How's that? I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, Brandon. 
anything else friends. they were friends yeah exactly anything else that we need to know as kansas fans about the west virginia mountaineers i i think i covered it all i gotta be honest i think i covered it all do you know how to sing sweet caroline uh yes i do you know you know how the, like the refrain goes and neil Di- is neil diamond right like sweet right Ba ba ba. Caroline, eat pig. <laughs> oh. No, 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 no. Oh, eat oh, okay, okay. I get it now. Should be you lots of fun then. That. That's how you sing. All right, lots all right. That is that is good to know. I will make sure that I remind myself when that game is happening. Um, I'll just have to make sure that none of the kids are around or my wife so that way I don't get in trouble yes, for that. Yes, but yes, but yes. we'll get it figured out. So, all right, Brandon. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Where can everybody find your work online? You can find us at Raspy Voice Kids everywhere. Everywhere, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Raspy Voice Kids, iTunes, Spotify, Raspy Voice Kids. You can find me at I Also Hate it everywhere you can find my brother at j n theme p h e e n everywhere you can holler at your boys get out as we respond and please listen because it's a lot of fun and also anybody who's doing anything with the 1012 network they're worth a listen check them out yeah for sure you know what i listen to you guys all the time as well i love all your pop culture segments and everything you guys got going on there and again you know, like you said, everything on the 1012 network is absolutely fantastic to listen to, to get up to date with what's happening with the Big 12 teams. If you're a Big 12 fan of any of the schools, that means you need to know what's happening with the rest of the schools so you know how it affects your team. So head on over on Twitter at TEN12Network and you can get links to all the great shows that we have over there. But Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Uh, just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe, get every episode as soon as it comes out. Give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, It'd be absolutely fantastic. But, uh, um, you can, uh, you know, we are on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock chalk podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. But make sure you visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off that entire first order. But that is going to do it for us today. Brandon, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horned Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today.